Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas. I'm a fifth-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a certified high-performance coach, and the founder of the BJJ Mental Coach Movement. Let me tell you this. Over my 20-plus years of coaching, I've had the privilege of coaching many successful competitors, including at the highest levels in BJJ and MMA. And one thing I can assure you is the mindset is everything because you may have amazing skills, great conditioning, awesome strategies, but if you're not mentally prepared to transfer all your hard work from the academy to the competition, you will not be able to perform to the best of your abilities and be your true self on a mat. The idea behind the BJJ Mental Coach Movement was to create a program designed to help you to discover what negative patterns that might be holding you back from being your authentic self on a mat and how to deal with the issue. And the cool thing is that consequently, it will reflect off the mat as well in your personal and professional life. In this podcast, we go there, we go beyond the mat. This podcast is dedicated to a selective group of entrepreneurs, small business owners, and or aspiring entrepreneurs who train jiu-jitsu and want to take their mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat. Every Monday, our guests who also happen to train jiu-jitsu will share with you their failures, their successes, the mindset and habits of successful high performers, plus provide valuable content on entrepreneurship, personal development, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey. And our mission is to inspire you, a jiu-jitsu practitioner, an entrepreneur, or aspiring entrepreneur to take your mindset to an even higher level to consistently accept and embrace new challenges in your life and to consistently pursue your journey of becoming the best version of yourself. So if you are committed to growing, evolving, not only as a business person, as a BJJ practitioner, but also as a human being, the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is for you. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, helping to keep them away from drugs and crime and to inspire them to pursue their goals and dreams. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, geese, and tournament registrations. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donates all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Seth Daniels. Seth is a black belt in jiu-jitsu as well, the owner of one of the leading grappling promotions today, Fight to Win. Seth was a high school national champion in judo before transitioning to BJJ. He earned his black belt from Amal Easton and currently trains at Easton BJJ in Denver. Seth started working at 24 Hours Fitness when he created Fight to Win, 
while working at 24 Hours Fitness, he realized that he no longer wanted to work for someone else, but instead wanted to have his own company and has grown fight to win into one of the top grappling promotions in the country. Seth, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How'd you find out all that information? I know. You need to get a little research. And I saw your interview, too, telling the story about the, the 24 Hours Fitness. I was like, man, that's hilarious. This is awesome. You know, was- so... It was a long time. Here, here and there. So tell a little bit, how did jiu-jitsu get into your life? Um, I, uh, I started judo when I was three years old and um, competed nationally, internationally. Um, won like 10 national championships when I was a kid and then started wrestling in high school. Won a state championship and then um, decided that I was going to try to go for the Olympic team. Moved to Colorado uh, to the Olympic Training Center. And um, this is kind of burned out, to be honest with you. By the time I was 19, I, I mentally wasn't really prepared, I, I think, to uh, um, be in college and, and, you know, completely be on my own and, and training and living and had a couple of surgeries and just took the easy way out, like, immediately. You know, like, after my first surgery when I was 19, I was just like, man, I don't do this anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even give it a chance. And um, so I started working at 24 Hour Fitness and, um, you know, I was making crazy amounts of money. I was a 19 year old kid. And I got to be about like 24, 25 years old and um, went into a tattoo shop to get tattooed. And the, uh, the artist that was supposed to tattoo me no showed my appointment. And um, I got taken by another artist who happened to be a purple belt in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're, you're 20 something years old and, you know, you're making a quarter million dollars a year, driving an Escalade, wearing diamonds, like different girl every week, you feel like super cool and you can talk until you run into someone that's actually cool, like a jujitsu person. Mm-hmm. And you're like trying to talk about all the cool stuff you have and all that. And, you know, I was bragging about like all my accomplishments as a, as a kid and a high school kid and all that. And so of course, like what we would all do, he invited me down to go train, mm-hmm. you know, and to, you know, to pretty much probably just to beat the shit out of me for, for talking. <laughs> and, uh, he invited me down to the gym and, um, you know, I went down and it's funny because it was just a beginner class, but our Saturday mornings back then at that time at that school, it was tough. Like now, if I look back at it, there's probably 15 guys that were there that were white and blue belts that are all black belts now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I went in there and I fought Robert first and then a bunch of other guys that are all black belts now. And, you know, I, I was tough, you know, I was big and strong and jacked up on steroids and, and I did my best that I could. And, uh, you know, I had fun, but I was so sore from that beginner class that I didn't return again until the next week. <laughs> And it, it, it's, it's funny now, you know, because you train like six days a week now, you know, and it's like, it's nothing, you know, but when you're, when you're a white belt and you go a hundred percent on everything, you like everything gets so sore, you know? And, um, and, and then I, I just started doing that and I started not wanting to associate with the people that I was partying with mm-hmm. and, um, and wanted to be around these jujitsu guys more and more. And, and it was just a more, it was like that family environment that I had as a, as a kid doing judo. And it was just a great team. It was a great team atmosphere. And I just wanted to be around it. And, you know, slowly one day a week became two days a week, became three days a week, became every day becomes, you know, 
no more partying, no more doing drugs, no more drinking and just focusing on jujitsu. That's just, that's just what happened. And then, you know, once you're hooked and you realize that your life can be a lot better if you're, if you're healthier and training and, um, you got my mind right. And I I just started, it just became my life. That's pretty cool, man. It's very inspiring. And how do you feel the jujitsu relate to life? I mean, I think the most, Tom DeBlas said it, uh, I mean, I'm sure it was a quote from somebody else, but he said it a few weeks ago, is the, the, the ability to be comfortable being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of things in life that are uncomfortable, you know, when it comes to finances, um, business, family, um, trying new things that are just out of your realm, you know, and, and jujitsu really teaches you to be able to embrace what's going on and find a way out of it through using, you know, your muscle memory and, you know, technique and things you've learned and try to evolve around the space in order, in order to keep moving forward. And that, that's kind of where I take it. Awesome. And like to know if you can share with the listeners, when did you have that spark for, especially for fight to win, you know, to create that, that organization and how was your mindset back then? Like I, I, I like to always ask because sometimes I have people who are listeners who are in transition. They have a vision, they have an idea, but they get overwhelmed with like, how the hell am I going to do that? And they end up sometimes, you know, for years, Drag end up not maybe accepting this, this new challenge. And you, and you did. It, of course, it's overwhelmed when you think about it, like, man, where I want to go is way, way, way in the top. How the hell am I going to get there? So I want to know when did you have that spark and how were you mentally on that, on that specific time of your life? I, I started Fight to Win 10 years ago um, when we were just, you know, I, I was a white belt in jujitsu and the person that was promoting the tournaments in Colorado uh, was doing a really poor job. She had inherited the company um, during a divorce and she had nothing to do with jujitsu and her husband wanted to keep his schools and he was also running the tournaments and so he was like I'll keep the schools and you can have the tournaments and she had no clue what she was doing and when I was a kid I helped my dad um run judo tournaments he was a big mm-hmm. up in U.S. judo oh, so nice. I would help him do bracketing and um you know because back then like in the 80s in the early 90s there weren't we didn't have computers to do that stuff so we would hand draw brackets mm-hmm. you know and and so I would do it because I was like I'm talking like eight nine years old I would also like I collected He-Man characters. I don't know if you know what that is, but like He-Man, yeah. like yeah. Motu and, and G.I. Joe and Thundercats. And so I, I had like hundreds of characters, right? Hmm. So I would draw, I would get poster board and I would draw these elaborate like 132 man brackets, <laughs> you know, and fight my guys. I would literally, because I, my dad, we weren't allowed to play video games in my house um, when I was a kid. We were just like, we trained, you know, we trained judo and we played sports outside, but there was no video games in our house. Um, so I just created this massive tournaments and I had my guys fight and I've always like, I had, I did that till I was like 12 years old. Like, it's just something I always had fun doing, you know? And, um, and so I knew how to run tournaments and I was like, I know I can do better than this lady. You know what I mean? And I, I think I might've been a blue belt at the time. I'd gone to grapplers quest a couple times and I was like, Oh, it's cool. All these people traveled out here for this event and this event sucks. Like it's not even good. You know, it's like, it's on crappy wrestling mats in this dirty high school, you know, we're standing outside in the line for three hours to weigh in. And I was just like, this is, there's got to be a better way of doing this locally. And at the time, the Colorado market was really small. Like her tournaments were getting like 60, 70 people competing, mm-hmm. you know? And um, 
you know, I was just like, I wanted to try it. I wanted to get involved. I had, uh, I had been doing competing in tournaments. I just got done fighting MMA and I hated it. And, uh, I didn't like the way that the promoters in the state were at the time when it comes to, um, honesty when it comes to uh, the fight the fight game in Colorado uh, there was a lot of shady stuff going on back then and um, I just I, I wanted to be better I wanted to be transparent and I wanted people to be able to have a fight promoter that they could trust and so I got into it and I only had about um, two thousand dollars I I'd made a whole bunch of money in my my younger um, when I was young at 24-hour fitness I was when I was like 19 to 23 I was making like a quarter million dollars a year wow and uh, I blew all of it. I mean, I was living paycheck to paycheck, making a quarter million dollars a year. It's pathetic, like in hindsight, you know. But, you know, I was a kid, man, and I, have, I didn't have a ton growing up. So, you know, I had like five cars and four houses and just living so stupid, like at my means, but like completely unnecessary mm-hmm. living, you know. So I had to file bankruptcy at uh, 24. Five, I'm gonna say at 25, I filed bankruptcy. So I was like, literally had nothing. And my job at 24 Hour Fitness, they had sold the company, and now we were working for a, a, we used to work for people, and now we're working for a corporation. And um, you know, our pay got reduced a ton. So I was I was living paycheck to paycheck at sixty thousand a year, and I was living paycheck to paycheck at a quarter million dollars a year. And um, you know, I got, I got to a point where I, I had like, I was working my way back from my bankruptcy and I saved up like 2000 bucks and I was like, you know, I want to put on a, a tournament and I, I did the research on how to run a tournament and how much I thought it would cost. And I was like right around like $3,500, which is hilarious now because mm-hmm. you know how much tournaments cost to run, you know? So I was like, all right, this first one, I got to get up to $3,500. How can I make an extra $1,500? So I had bought, uh, 200 I'd bought t-shirts I'd bought I believe I bought like uh 300 t-shirts or 400 t-shirts for two thousand dollars and for the next month I had I had made some advertising that fight to win was starting and it was just like this plain ad that was like tournaments and Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments and MMA shows and I'd go to all the MMA shows and I fought for everybody so everybody was cool with me setting up a booth and I just sell t-shirts and pass out the cards. There was no event dates. There was no website. There was no anything. I just wanted people to know I'm, I'm going to be creating something, you know, stay tuned, you know, buy t-shirts, help support. And I wound up making like another 2000 bucks. So I had enough money to run the tournament. And then I ran the first tournament and uh, was able to pull a whopping 88 competitors on a two high school wrestling mats with plastic medals and, um, but it was a success, you know, the tournament was run pretty well and people liked it and, uh, we still didn't have enough money to do an, an MMA show. So we did another tournament about four months later and we had like 220 competitors. Nice. And at that time, that was like a huge amount for Colorado, mm-hmm. like from no one ever had more than a hundred. And then we pulled 200, you know? So it was like, everybody's talking about how big it was. And then, um, and then things started going South for me at 24 hour fitness because, when I was at 24 hour fitness in the, in, in the beginning, and I think this is important for anybody that is, is currently working for a corporation that's possibly looking at doing their own thing is in the beginning, it was so fun. I had so much fun working there, you know, like it, it, the environment was, it was dope. It was, it was like boiler room kind of like we had like crazy sales goals with huge bonuses and every club. And this is, this is It's a small little thing, but 
when Mark Mastroff, who owns like the Sacramento Kings and UFC gyms and a bunch of other stuff now, when he was our owner, he made it mandatory that every sales area had a gaming device. So mm-hmm. you had to have ping pong, you had to have air hockey. It was a mandatory thing. You had a budget for it once a year to buy one piece of equipment to put in for the salespeople to do something, to break the monotony of stuff, mm-hmm. to move around, you know? And um, the corporation took over, Forceman Little took over, and the first thing they did was take all of our stuff out. All right, no video game systems. And it's, it sounds stupid, right? But it's like a sales job like 24 Fitness or any other job where you're on the phone 10, 12 hours a day talking to people and you, it's a nonstop grind. Like mm-hmm. it's good to have that little five minutes every couple hours mm-hmm. to go do something. And that was like the beginning of it. And then it just became more corporate and corporate and corporate. And to, I got to a point where I was, when I first started working there, I was so excited to be working at a place where I could help people and I could help them get to their goals. Cause I was a really good athlete back then. And I was like, I'm going to help these people, you know, get in shape. And I enjoy selling the personal training. I believe in what I'm selling. And you just, I saw it decaying over the time to where my, my mind was just focused on how much money am I going to make this month? Hmm. And I feel like any job that you're at, or even if you're running your own business, because I've shut down four businesses <laughs> that I run that I stopped doing that were successful just because I was doing them to, just to make money. And I feel like if you, if that is your sole focus and you're doing anything just to make money and you're not passionate about it, you're wasting your time because in the end, it's not going to be what you do for the rest of your life. So I just feel like that's at the point where I started I, I didn't want to go to work. I hated it. You know, I saw what I was doing in the jujitsu community and the fight community and people were really vibing it and they were liking it. And I knew I was onto something good. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, that at 24 hour fitness, I was just literally going there to make paychecks and I hated it. And so, you know, eventually, um, you know, I wound up putting too much time and effort into fight to win and, and my performance went down at 24 hour fitness and uh, they offered me a way out and I took it. And, um, I took all the money from that invested in the, in the fight to win and, you know, bought my own mats and, you know, the electronic scoreboards and, and all that stuff. And just went, just went, you know, all at it, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah, That is awesome. And one of the things that I definitely be mentioning a lot about on the podcast is the idea to inspire people to be authentic to their own feelings and authentic to themselves and, and you mentioned too about sometimes doing for the wrong reasons. Sometimes you've got to do what you got to do, but super important to have that balance of the intrinsic and the extrinsic motivation. If it's only the extrinsic, the reward, the money is there, man, at, at one point you're going to get, you're going to get tired of it. You know, and you need to have that balance that yes, the extrinsic motivation of be compensated with, you know, making money with something that you enjoy and have it that intrinsic motivation that, man, I really, feel that you know i'm helping i'm doing i'm providing the service so that's awesome and that's something that is so important to talk about is that that connection in authenticity and entrepreneurship and i would love you to expand on that because man your classic example that you just followed your heart and you want you know i want to be authentic you know authentic to myself and to to my feelings that that's exactly what you did so for the listeners out there, what would you like to share with them about the connection of the authenticity and entrepreneurship? Well, I think especially when it comes to to being being authentic in your own business, or it, it doesn't really matter if you're working for somebody else. 
if you're working for a company, you don't have to be authentic in what you're doing. I mean, you just, you're trading, you know, dollars for hours. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter, you know? And, you know, I mean, the hardest part about, about running your own business is that you no longer have that person just giving you a paycheck. Yeah. You no longer have someone just saying, you know, here's your two weeks, here's your pay. You have to go make your paychecks. And I think a lot of times people will sacrifice business ethics in order to make those paychecks Mm -hmm. instead of maybe adding something on top of their plate to make sure that the ethics are covered and they're being authentic to what they're promising people and to their brand. Like the first two years I did 20 uh, fight to win, I wasn't making any money. I was running fight to win the way I said I was going to run it, doing things the right way and landscaping on the side. I didn't want to be a landscaper. I knew that there was no way that that was going to be my end all game, but I knew I wasn't going to cut corners and fight to win with the ideas I had going forward just to make money. You know, I would do my events, make maybe a couple thousand dollars if I'm lucky or lose a couple thousand dollars, but then I'd go shovel rocks on the weekend, you know, cause I, I just believed in what I was doing that it could grow if I kept doing things the right way. If I kept say, doing everything I said I was going to do, paying everybody what I said I was going to pay, and that's not just for the tournaments, though. I mean, at this time, we were doing MMA shows as well, mm-hmm. you know, and in the MMA world, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to what is the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do when it comes to matchmaking, um, promoting. <laughs> there's so much gray area in, in MMA, you know, with, uh, how you cover the fighters with insurance. And uh, there's just there's so much there that can be right and wrong. And um I just always try to do things the right way and I never screwed anybody over. And I, I just, you know, I, 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 I believe that, you know, and I mean, we, we went from those little tournaments to big time MMA shows in like five mm-hmm. different States. Then I started promoting concerts and I was making a good amount of money doing concerts and the MMA shows. And I quit that too. And that was my own business. I owned that. And I owned a tattoo shop, I owned a food delivery business. I've owned, a bunch of different things and um, what it all comes back to and it all circled back to, which created fight to win pro was that I lost my interest in in MMA due to uh, a lot of bad experiences with fighters. Um, I didn't enjoy working with them. uh, The MMA fighters. I I don't really like the sport to be honest with you. Um, It was super fun like in the early days with, uh, you know, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. And mm-hmm. it seems like it'd be super fun to promote fights, but I hated it. And uh, I hated doing concerts. Um, I, the dealing with the artist was just, it was unbearable. Like with their demands and, and what they get paid and what they allow you to make as a promoter. And so, I, but I bought all this equipment over this time, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I bought, you spent half a million dollars, everything I had, on all this equipment, I've got all this equipment and it it once again circles back to what do I want to do? I like putting on the party. I like, I like having, turning the lights on. I like putting the sound on. I like Mm -hmm. playing the videos. I like people enjoying themselves at my party, you know, and maybe it was because in high school I didn't throw that many parties. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I wasn't that guy, you know, my brother was the kid that was always throwing the the parties and stuff like that. And it always fun to be hosts. I like hosting Christmas. I like hosting Thanksgiving. I mean, I like being the host, you know, and, um, I like throwing the party. I like, I like all that. And then my wife's like, well, the only other thing that you really like is uh, jujitsu. So why don't you just do this for jujitsu? Why don't you just put on this party for jujitsu? And then this, obviously this gamble paid off big time. And, um, 
But it was, I don't really feel like I was gambling though, because I was staying authentic to what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm passionate about, about doing jujitsu and I'm passionate about throwing the party. So I combined them together and I don't see myself wanting to stop doing this anytime in the foreseeable future, but it, none of it would have been possible if from the beginning, from, from day one, I wouldn't have just stayed authentic to what I wanted to do. I got, I took, I went sideways and took a couple forks in the road and went a couple other directions. But in the end, always ended back to where I wanted to be in the beginning, which is promoting a martial art, you know, that, that I've gotten a lot out of personally and um, throwing parties. <laughs> no, I think it's awesome that especially for the listeners that are, again, are thinking about going into an entrepreneurial journey or they're ready in it that you literally pay the price. You know, there's this quote that I love from Jim Rome is just work full time on your living, part time in your dream. And hopefully one day the dream becomes the full time. And that's what you did landscaping, you know, yeah. and but you had the course in mind of, OK, I got to do what I got to do right now. Do I love landscape? Hell no. But this is that's what it needs to be done in order to eventually be all in and just what do you what do you like and i relate to 100 percent. i've been making a living just with whatever like i want in my life since 2005 to 2006 and i had to do a lot of things too as far as you know as you know i'm a promoter and it took me four years too the, the scene was very small my first term in 2001 had 40 people inside the school the, the scene was very small so there's four years doing in you know, in-house tournaments to eventually get a little room. And as I'm doing this, yeah, I'm working as a bouncer, I'm working as a driver, and I'm doing like different things and teaching classes, make all kinds of things happen. And at the moment, my last, the last job that I had was house cleaning. I was doing for about six to eight months. And it started to like actually take off to a point that I could put someone to, to work and make someone and be like, do I really want to have a, like a house clean? Nothing against, but it'd be like, I ain't passionate about that. You know what I mean? I did what I had to do to make some money, but okay, nice. And then from that moment, I made a decision that I only work from now on with whatever I want to do. You know, if it, if it, if I don't feel like it, I don't do it. So, but this is the price that you had to pay. In my case, that's what I did. So for people who are, in the struggle right now, yesterday we're talking, I had an interview with, for the first episode with Vince from Show Your Roll. And he was saying that it took him a decade for him to like all the, you know, how it was evolving the Show Your Roll process, you know, of the brand to the moment that he left a solid job, a corporate job that was secure and everything for him to really pull the trigger and go all in. It's not from night to day, like, boom, and like people expect. So I feel that this is awesome that you put in showing that connection of the authenticity, being authentic to yourself as an entrepreneur, but understanding that for you to get to the point that like where you're at right now, like, man, I love what I'm doing. I'm you able to connect everything. That's a long ride. So I feel that people are being who are listening have been on an entrepreneurial journey for a while, I think can relate. Maybe the the new people there are like, man. I've been doing this for a year. Nothing's happening. Like, buckle up, man. You know, because there's a lot more coming. So, major props for you for, man, staying authentic to yourself, paying the price, doing, you know, doing the things that you didn't want to do in order to be where you're at. And with this in mind, I mean, you already shared some of the struggles that you have. But what do you feel that it's one 
one of the main struggles that you had in your entrepreneurial career and what did you learn from it? I don't know if you might be repeating some of the stuff that you already mentioned, because I know that you had some, you know, some difficulties as you mentioned, but what if, what do you feel that was your lesson? You know, like, okay, I got it. Um, I feel when I was running, when I was running at 24 fitness, I, I mean, I was managing millions and millions of dollars of, of, uh, P and L's, um, of profit and loss between tons of different health clubs, managing thousands of employees. And the one I learned it before I got into being an entrepreneur, um, was make sure that no matter what you're able to lose, whatever, say you're running an event, be prepared to lose every dollar in that event. <laughs> you can't do that event and lose every single dollar that that event's going to cost and be able to pay everyone you say you're going to pay. Don't even do it. Don't do it because you're not ready. Build yourself up a little bit more before you can take that chance. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, 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 I struck out in a few other businesses, you know, and, um, but I, it, they were all learning experiences. You know, I thought I wanted to be a concert promoter. You know, I love music. I love music. I love, I, I love, you know, I got to work with it and meet a ton of bands and people that I've been fans of my whole life, you know, and, um, I thought it was going to be a blast and, but I tried and it didn't work out. You know, I think one of the problems that a lot of people do is they'll ride it too long you know, if something is obviously not working and I mean, you get to the point though, if something is obviously not working and it's no longer fun, then stop doing it. Don't just, don't just keep killing yourself to do something that you no longer enjoy doing, but then it all comes back to doing what you want to do. And sometimes you don't know what you want to do until you do it. So I, I, I think the biggest problem and the biggest struggle that, that I have now, um, is finding balance. I have a tough time finding balance of, of sleep, training, working, family time. It's the hardest struggle that I have personally. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've always had that. I've always been a workaholic. I love it. You know, when I worked at 24 hour fitness, I was working easily a hundred hours a week and I easily do that now. But to me, I work from my couch while I watch movies and I go to all my kids games and all my kids stuff and I hang out with them. I might only sleep six hours a day during the week and I don't sleep at all during the weekends during the shows. But I mean, I don't, I feel like I'm retired mm -hmm. because I'm not going and checking in somewhere and I'm not wearing a name tag. Um, but I think a lot of people, they don't see that, that part of it. I think a lot of people see the, the, like you said, the quick side of things. Or it's, it's, oh, I'm going to quit this job and immediately I'm going to start this job and, and I'm, a, I'm going to make it immediately. You just got to really be prepared to know that you're not going to have anything and that you might have to take on a second job or a third job or a fourth job while chasing your dream. And, um, you know, they, they put it all in one basket and they wind up, you know, back at, back at the job that they had before, you know, thinking it was just them. They just didn't prepare right. What would you say it's a habit that has helped you both in jiu-jitsu and business? Focusing. I have a hard time because I'm pulled in a lot of different directions. I have three kids and, um, you know, I, uh, I'm constantly all over the place training and doing all this and focusing and writing down uh, every day. I have a to-do list that nice. I, I'm, I manage weekly, you know, and that's kind of what I write off of, you know, it's like, all right, because you can get just pulled off to do this, pulled off to do that. And then it's good to have a focus of one thing that you have to get back to. And being on top of that one thing at a time, hit off the most important thing. What's the most important thing I have to do right now? 
get that done and then go to what's the next most important thing I have to do right now. If I have a fight coming up, then my most important thing is to get up and go do my training. I go do my training. I go do my, my lifting or whatever, go to the chiropractor, come home. Okay. That's done for the day. What's the next thing on my list? Boom. Get the business stuff off. You know, is there something more important that comes in my family that comes before the business that's on the list that gets done then the business stuff. But I, I, I try to attack one thing at a time instead of mm -hmm. trying to do everything at once. And I put all of the things in my life into that to do list, whether it be, you know, leisure, family, business, it doesn't matter. All of it has to go because it's all part of your life. And if you, if you try to do a little bit of everything, you won't get anything done. No, that is awesome. And this is literally a habit. I started to write things down. I don't know, maybe like, or 10 years ago that I started to become more aware of like, let me write my thoughts here. Let me do this. And little by little was evolving to today. So if for people, for the entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who may be starting this and you don't have this habit of organizing your thoughts and organizing your day or your, your week, I feel that it's something that you should consider, definitely consider to start implementing in your life, organizing your day and just give you for just give you clarity for, for the day. You know what I mean? You're not just winging it and be like, oh, do, what do we do right now? Like, oh, yeah. You know, so just organizing the, the thoughts are huge and getting towards the end. You have this uh, the drilling round. I have some quick questions and quick answers. And the first one is what is the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice I ever received is surround yourself with people um, that are better than you mm. at certain things. So I constantly am always trying to surround myself like Missy is great at analytics. Missy runs the analytics. Evan is great at production. Evan runs the production. I have two people on my staff that are just good grunts and are stronger than me and are better workers when it comes to manual labor. I al you always want to surround yourself with people that make you continually raise the bar on yourself. Awesome. This is a good one. What advice would you give to the the younger Seth? You know, that I went the moment it had the spark, like, hey, I'm gonna do this. And saying, like, hey, you have to you can say once one thing to him, say like, hey, Seth, check this out real quick. Boom. You know, what would you say? <laughs> Don't do MMA or concerts and just focus your entire life <laughs> on jujitsu. <laughs> um, that would have been the main thing. Uh other than that don't live above your means your means can grow as you as you grow but don't take anybody's money don't have to listen to anybody else and run things the way that you want to run them as long as you're following you know you're being ethical and you're being honest not only to your patrons but to yourself man love it and what are you currently excited about what do you got going on that are like man i'm pumped what is a what are you excited about uh, well, currently right now I'm pumped for the next two weeks that I have off. I haven't had a weekend off for, um, we haven't had a weekend off in 17 weeks and, um, 
You know, it's not even just like to lay around and do stuff. I'm excited to get on top of things because my life's a lot better. No, because my life is a whole lot better when I'm organized and I'm on top. When I have fight cards matched up five, six weeks out versus three and a half weeks, I have time to go on dates with my wife. I don't have to stay up till three o'clock in the morning. I have certain timelines I set for every piece of marketing, advertising, and everything I do. And if I'm ahead of those timelines, my life is awesome. And when I get behind them, it becomes very difficult. I have to skip training. I don't, I, I, I wind up, you know, deaf hearing my kids when they're talking to me. It's just one of those things, man. It's like, I take those times that I have off, you know, to, to relax and try to get a full, you know, eight hours of sleep at night, but really to stay on top of what I have coming in the future, because the more prepared you are for, for your events or, or whatever business you have, it's so much easier to lead from the front than, than follow from behind, you know? And man, I can tell you this for the listeners too. Maybe some people are new to jujitsu, new to the scene, don't know much about fight to win, you know. And if you have a chance to go to one of the events in your town, go ahead and support because you were in Arizona about a week ago. And man, not just because we're doing this interview, but that's why I brought you here because I think you're you're doing great work. And man, I haven't honestly, I don't hear people saying anything negative about the event you know what I mean like I you can see that you put in all your effort in and you treat the the competitors well I feel that this is something I already see like some people try to do similar you know mm -hmm. concept that you have but man you so so far ahead with this and I I feel that you're doing a great job man I go and see like man that is awesome have opportunity <laughs> and I'm looking back you know or when i was maybe a blue or purple belt of like dude that would be sweet you know what i mean to have an event like that did you know you walk in got music and sound dude i wouldn't even dream about this when i was a, a blue or even in you know, an orange belt i was like this is insane you know like how we see the evolution I, I promoted my very first event in brazil in 1998 but i've been consistently promoting since 2000 mm. and it's awesome to see the you know, how has been evolving everything, you know, in jujitsu, how it's getting bigger, especially with the internet and people having more access. So if you don't have maybe fight win, fight to win in your town, make sure you go to Flow Grappling so we can watch the event. And man, amazing job, Seth, straight up. Thank you. And if I could say one more thing, yeah. um, you kind of just touched on it. Um, a lot of people, when they're starting their businesses, they're always constantly worried about their competitors. And um, I think the most important thing you can do is be your own biggest critic and not worry about what other people are doing, but just constantly focus on what you're doing and how you can improve your product instead of constantly worrying about what's this guy doing? What's that guy doing? And this guy opened his business right down from me. It's like, okay, you know, if you have something good, everyone's going to copy it because that's the kind of world we live in. It's not a world where people constantly have new ideas. It's a world where people see somebody else's idea and try to take it for their own. So I constantly am thinking of how can I improve this? And then I also ask for, for feedback. You know, I, I ask other people, people around me that I trust in my circle. Sometimes I just hired a company completely outside of our martial arts world to come in and tell me, what do I need to do to make this more accessible to the public, not just to the niche market of jujitsu and just to get outside perspectives and actually listen to these people talking versus just waiting for your turn to talk. 
and to, to defend yourself. So you've got to be open to acknowledging the fact that maybe everything you're not doing is right. And it could be better because it can always be better. There's mm-hmm. no product. I can give you something that every single fight promotion in the country can improve on. Even the UFC, you know, if you took something from the UFC, something from Bellator, something from Dream, you mix it all together, you get something new. You get a new product. But a lot of the times I think of a lot of people are like, no, 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 we're the best. We're good. We're doing it the way that we're doing now. You know, and I think you constantly have to always be evolving and listening, not only to other people, but to yourself to think, you know, can I do this better? And I'm going to do it better now. And just to keep always trying to get better (laughs) all the time, because that way, not only can your competition never catch you, but you can't catch yourself. Man, this is a, for all the listeners, this is a great advice. It really is because as you're describing, it's kind of like plays a movie in my head, you know, uh, especially when, when, especially when you start promoting and you mentioned that like, man, this tournament here sucks. You know, like I, I want to, I can do better than that and I can provide a better service. And I relate 100%. And there's this quote of this guy that I met a few years ago. And he say like, let your irritations inspire you. That means like, you're annoyed by something, do something about it. You know what I mean? Like, so like, and that's how a lot of meaningful business started. My tournament started the same way. I went to a tournament. As soon as I got in Arizona, there's only one promoter. I was like, dude, this is a riot. What is this? You know, and next one, same thing. I'm like, okay, got it. We have a pattern here. This is not going to change. I'm like, is anyone doing anything about it? No, guess what? I'm going to do it. And start it slowly, slowly. And next thing, this competitor, he started to, I'll put a tournament, put it in the same day. You know what I mean? He wait for my turn, put it in the same day. And people will be pissed. I'm like, dude, I'm minding my own business, dude. And I can do whatever the hell he wants. I don't care. And the last event, and this is ironic because the last event, uh, this got to be maybe 2008, maybe, that uh, that was the first event that actually broke 400, 400 people. That was 2008. Mm-hmm. And at the same day, he put an event and he had like 25 people and he was refunding people at the door because they didn't have enough people to make a tournament. And then he was it. So... That's exactly what you said. You know, people putting so much focus in someone else's business, you know what I mean? They forget their own. So for all the entrepreneurs, straight up, mind your own business, man. Just put your head down, just focus and be authentic to to your mission, to what are you trying to accomplish. And with time and grind, for sure, you will get there, but literally mind your business. So I'd like you to just leave before leaving some information, how we can hear more about fight to win and yourself. Just remind the listeners to have my final thoughts right at the end. So make sure that you stick around. So any final message Seth, and how they can know more about fight to win. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at F two W pro. And, um, you know, I mean, anytime that we're coming to a city near you come, come to the party, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see jujitsu displayed the way that it should be displayed. And uh, we really showcase, you know, all the awesome techniques and awesome people in the community. And it's a great time and come out and you're going to have fun. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much for your time, Seth. I know you're busy, dude. So I appreciate all the, you know, your time and sharing your, your experience with us. And I see you guys in a little bit. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, professor. Oos.
All right, let's go over some of the final thoughts from the interview with Seth. Very interesting topic, the authenticity in entrepreneurship, which is huge to make sure that, yes, you going after your goals and dreams, but not just financially, not just looking for the extrinsic motivation, the money, the reward. And this is something that over the years, as he developed as a human being, as an entrepreneur, he started to become even more authentic to just focus and put in all his energy and the things that really are meaningful and bringing fulfillment to him. Even though he was making money in different areas, he just felt that, man, my heart is just not there anymore. And he decided to move all his efforts towards fight to win. And an interesting thing about authenticity, about five to six years ago, that was the first time that I actually put thought into the word authenticity. Because if if I ask you, say like, hey, are you authentic? You'd be like, hell yeah, I'm authentic. I say whatever I want. I, I dress in any way, any way I want, which is part of authenticity as well. But I started to ask myself, are you authentic to your desires? And that's the question that I ask you. Are you authentic to yourself, being authentic to your desires? And that's something that very often people struggle with it because I look at authenticity as, you know, that level from one to a hundred, we're going to be shooting that as high as possible, as close as possible to that 100. And being authentic to your desire is for some people, they might be in transition. If you're listening to this and you're in a corporate job and you hate it, but you'd like to be doing something else. And then you got to ask yourself, am I being authentic to my desire? Maybe you can say, yeah, Gustav, it's easy for you to say, you know, I have kids, I have all this. I totally understand. But if one day you want to really raise your level of authenticity, you're going to have to make changes. And I'm not saying to drop everything off and then do it. The same way that Seth was saying, man, I work in landscaping and got to a point that, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Now I got to a point that I can just work with what I want. And that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. So I don't know where you at in your journey. If you're already past that point and you enjoying working with what you love and and you wouldn't rather be doing anything else or maybe in that transition part that, man, I'm not happy. And you got to ask yourself exactly this. Like, am I being authentic to my desire? And the reason why I say this is because time flies, man. And the last thing you want is one day regret. And I always think about this. There is a book out there called The Top Five Regrets of Dying from this lady called Bronnie Ware. She is a nurse in Australia. And she used to work with terminal patients with up to like 90 days to live. And she started to interview them, asking them what are their main regrets in life. And the first one was, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expect of me. And with that said, a lot of people have their goals and dreams, their entrepreneurial goals and dreams of careers they want to pursue, but maybe they don't want to disappoint others or parents or friends, or what if I do this, what if I do that? And at the end of their lives, they're asking those questions. And I really want you to ask yourself, are you being authentic to your desire? Are you doing what you feel like you really want to do? If not, 
Think about the next step. What do you need to do? What move do you need to do to move the needle a little bit? A little bit closer to where I'd like to be. Is that maybe acquiring new knowledge? Studying something? Doing some course? What kind of action needs to be taken just to move a little bit? Again, it may take years for this transition from working with something that you're not quite passionate about it to what you want to do. It's going to be a journey, big time. But if you really want to be authentic to your desire, be authentic to yourself, reach literally your full potential, become the best version of you, regardless, man, on and off the mat, you're going to have to ask this question. And even some people talking about jujitsu, sometimes people feel that they want to compete in jujitsu, but that fear of disappointing others, what others might think of me if I don't win or this and that. And you, at the end, you see, are you being authentic to yourself, to your desire, for your desire to maybe participate in tournament, but you're not because you worry about what others are going to think? Remember about, I just mentioned about the top five regrets, the number one, worrying too much about what others expect of you. So I hope this message really resonated with you for you to ask yourself if that's the question of the day are you being authentic to your desire if not just think about what is one step just one not tomorrow today one step that can help you to move a little bit closer i hope you enjoyed the episode and i see you next week Oos. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.